Chris McDaniel, the senior pastor here at Trinity. Welcome to our daily podcast. We're so glad you've chosen to join us today. I'm going to read one verse today that contains a huge and very challenging idea. So we're just going to read one verse and then try to try to enter in, try to dive in. So this one comes from Exodus 34. The Lord says here, six days you shall work, but on the seventh day you shall rest. Even in plowing time and in harvest time, you shall rest. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Lord, it is hard to thank you for something that we struggle to do. Um, God, almost all of us here, we struggle in one way or another to rest, whether it's our resting our physical bodies from labor or resting our minds from racing. God, we, we need your help. And I pray that you would help us today to think deep and true thoughts about the Bible and about our lives and maybe why we don't rest as we should. And help us, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Isaiah 35 also says this, For thus said the Lord God, the Holy One of Israel, In returning and rest you shall be saved, in quietness and in trust shall be your strength. Uh, there is something here for us to stop and think about. Uh, what happens when we don't rest? What happens if you only use fuel in your car, but you never put fuel in. If you just use it and never invest in it, you run out. What happens if you stop eating, but you keep moving? What happens if you decide that sleep is no longer needed? What, what happens to a field that is overworked and never allowed to rest? What happens if an animal, a horse is ridden and never allowed to rest? We know what happens in those scenarios. The question we have to ask ourselves is, do we believe that we're any different? This season, I think, has revealed in many of us a desperate need to scale back the fullness of our lives in the midst of all this horror. I believe that we're all being given some form of an opportunity to learn what Sabbath rest means and hopefully to find ways to carry a kind of Sabbath commitment forward into whatever the new normal will be. I'm currently reading Celeste Headley's book, uh, Do Nothing. and I'm about halfway through, so she might, you know, drop some sort of weird bomb at the end that I hate, but I, I will tell you so far so good. It's really challenging. It's inviting me to yet another realignment, I think, pertaining to rest in my own life. So I would commend that book to you, uh, at least the first half I can, I can wholeheartedly endorse. So much of the sin that occurs within the landscape of our life, I think, emerges out of and from a lack of sustainability. Uh, we looked at this earlier in the week in, in Exodus, uh, just prior to this chapter with the Israelites. Too much pressure, too much uncertainty, too much output. It's like a vice grip. It squeezes us, and the stuff that comes out when we're squeezed is sometimes pretty gross. I think that Sabbath is a, a, a way to address the unsustainability of our lives. And Pete Scazzaro, uh, who wrote The Emotionally Healthy uh, Leader and the other another book connected to it, Emotionally Healthy Spirituality, has influenced my thinking on Sabbath maybe more than anybody. He's just so simple, so straightforward. And I'm going to commend to you Pete's uh, four components of Sabbath and just ask you to think about how these things might be applied to your life. So number one, stop. We have to decide to stop. We have to choose to, to stop. We, we have to make a choice because we will never, ever, ever feel ready to stop. 
Uh, most all of us do not feel comfortable stopping. And the word Sabbath simply means cease, quit, stop. It's actually not inherently religious. The word Sabbath doesn't really imply church services or a day spent in prayer and religious activity. Sabbath means stop working, stop producing, stop quantifying. And if we're ever going to be the kinds of people who learn how to stop, we've got to learn how to let go. And this is really difficult. This is why Sabbath is actually avoided by most of us. It's also the reason why we have to actually learn how to practice a Sabbath-keeping mindset. Because fear keeps you from letting go. Letting go makes us feel like we're out of control. And in a very real sense, this is true. When I stop, I do surrender control. All kinds of things emerge in our souls when we stop. And a lot of those things are not good. Like roaches that emerge in a darkened room, uh, our issues oftentimes rise to the surface when we cease activity, anxiety, stress signs, our heart racing, feelings of anger, frustration at not um, getting things done or anger and frustration toward people, uh, kicking the dog, anger at the kids, unreasonable reactions to small things. These things bubble up if we'll stop, which is one of the reasons why many of us don't stop. Another thing that tends to bubble up when we cease the frantic activity in our minds and in our bodies is that if we have untended to grief, grief will emerge when we stop. And so many of us don't stop for fear that those kinds of things will come up. Um, some of our worst fighting happens during and on days off. Am I right? But the Lord calls us to stop anyway. He calls us to actually cease and to push through what happens when we cease. To decide to avoid stopping because all the accumulated ugly stuff emerges in your life would be like saying, my gums bleed when I floss, so I guess I shouldn't floss. We have to choose to stop. But it doesn't end there. If it did, Sabbath keeping would just be horrible. The second movement in Sabbath after stop is to rest. And rest is what happens when we learn how to go beyond the mere cessation of activity. Rest is actually what happens when we make a habit of stopping. I'm going to say that again. Rest is what happens, what occurs when we make a habit out of stopping. Rest is the practice of stopping. And many of us have never made stopping a habit, so we don't know what true rest is even all about. Resting is recreational. And I believe that we have to reclaim the term recreation. The word recreation means to be recreated, but we've ruined that word. Uh, we've turned recreation into something else. Recreation is the frantic activity we do on the weekends and after hours for which we're not compensated, dragging your kids to multiple practices. See, one of the gifts of COVID-19, and there aren't many, is a horrible time. This is a, a tragic time, but, but one of the minor gifts is that we can't fill our schedules with lots of to and fro right now, or at least shouldn't be doing. Think of a field that's been overworked. For that field to be restored, it has to lie dormant for a period of time to become fertile ground again. Rain, sun, breeze, worms, leaves falling on it, these things do their work, but this work takes time, and we're no different. I don't think we know exactly the extent to which life drains life out of us. Emails, conversations, responsibilities, relationships. Over time, if we don't rest, if we don't pull back in repeated ways, these uh, depletions will accumulate and they'll drain the nutrients right out of us. 
Back to sin for a second. I believe much of our sin arises in response to depletion. Think about the first temptation of Jesus. The, the enemy of his soul said, turn these stones into food. Jesus was depleted. He was fatigued. And fatigue can cause us to become overly dependent on satisfying our appetites. I, it was true for Jesus. So goodness, it has to be true for you and me. So I think about things like sexual uh, compulsions or alcohol dependency, uh, food consumption to excess, checking out, numbing out, whatever it is. Some of us need to realize that we struggle with these things because we've been living our life in an unsustainable way. Maybe your sin is not just because you're bad. Maybe it's because your life is depleted and God's inviting you to pay attention. So in my experience, my body actually usually gives the first hint of feedback concerning a lack of rest. Stress in the back, stress in the shoulders, an upset stomach, a kind of churning. So what do we do? We go to the chiropractor. We take stomach medicines. But oftentimes we don't actually learn how to rest. So what we're doing then is just masking issues. Now, I'm not saying if you have a chronic pain or an issue that you don't go to the doctor. What I am saying is in addition to tending to those things uh, mechanically or externally, there, there's also an invitation to learn how to rest. I believe the Lord is inviting all of us right now. If we're going to maximize this time of relative isolation, we believe one of the things we can do is tend to our need to rest. If we don't learn to be proactive about rest and Sabbath keeping, I believe something will come along and will force the issue. You'll be forced to rest when a crisis comes, sickness, a job loss, an injury. In my own life, going back a, a little bit of time, uh, I suffered a concussion that quite literally knocked me out of commission for about six and a half weeks. I spent over a week in a dark room <laughs> staring at the ceiling through blackness. It was horrific. But something happened during that time for me. It was almost as if the Lord said, Chris, if we weren't going to be able to do this rest thing the easy way, then we're just going to have to do it the hard way. Now, I'm not suggesting God hit me on the head. I'm also not not suggesting that God hit me on the head. Um, I believe sometimes we, we have these sort of um, the Lord touching the hip of the socket with Jacob in order to cause him to walk differently. I, I do think sometimes the Lord introduces things into our lives that... Uh, kind of arrest us, slow us down. Back to that scripture I read at the beginning. In returning and rest, you shall be saved in quietness and in trust shall be your strength. So it's only after we stop and rest that we can do the third thing, which is learn how to delight. Psalm 16 verse 11 says of the Lord in your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Sabbath keeping should be a delightful time, a really wonderful time. There's a difference between enjoyment and the pleasure that exists in that right hand of God. And until we learn how to cultivate a disposition of rest, I don't think we'll really know what delight is. Being entertained and amused is not the same thing as learning to be deeply satisfied. Let me read to you something from Psalm 104. This is from uh, verses uh, 15 and 16. The, the poet says this, You cause the grass to grow for the cattle and plants for people to use, to bring forth good from the earth and wine to gladden the human heart, oil to make the face shine, and bread to strengthen the human heart. That's a powerful idea of all the good things, nature, food, wine, oil, bread. These things are beautiful, and they should be engaged on the Sabbath. So I would say to you that when you're doing Sabbath keeping, go outside. If you're married, make love. Food and drink with people you care about. 
Um, a glass of bourbon on the porch at the end of a Sabbath is good medicine for the soul if you're into that sort of thing. Fun things. That's why Sabbath is not inherently religious, especially if you have kids. If you're trying to have your kids sit around a lit candle in a quasi-darkened room and contemplate the universe, they're going to go crazy and drive you crazy as well. So hike, walk, play in the garden, dig holes, uh, eat outside on the porch. These things are beautiful uh, and they're good for us to delight on Sabbath day. In the Jewish tradition, mourning was forbidden on Sabbath. So complaining and tending to your pain even was something that Jews explicitly avoided on the Sabbath. My wife and I are working on this rhythm in our own Sabbath keeping of having times where we don't actually process all the hard things. And our kids have been helpful for us. They, they said to us early in this pandemic at the dinner table, you know, why do you guys want to just talk about all the hard stuff all the time? And we heard from that something from the Lord We've got to actually learn and be disciplined about delight, a discipline of play, if you will. And that leads us to the fourth movement of Sabbath keeping. So we've got stop, rest, delight. And the last one is contemplate. And I want to be clear, contemplation does not mean praying all day. Contemplation is the ability to look thoughtfully at something for a long time, to be reflective versus reactive. And you can't contemplate when you're in a hurry. Contemplation involves a pace of being, a slowing down and noticing things you would otherwise miss or seen when you contemplate. It's one of the reasons why I like to read during times of rest, um, doing things that introduce peace into the landscape of our lives. Y'all, at the end of the day, we won't be people of peace unless we're people of Sabbath. So here's what I want to challenge you to do. Uh, pick a day and do it. The Jews did it from sundown to sundown. So they would start their day by lighting a candle, having a great meal, and then go to bed and then spend until sundown the next day just chilling out. For me, Sabbath is on Saturday because I tend to work on Sundays. But it could be Sunday for you. Frankly, it could be any day. Jesus did say he was the Lord of the Sabbath. So the goal here is not to be legalistic. The goal is to pick a day, a 24-hour period of time. Even if you have little kids, you can do this alone or with children and do four things. Stop. Quit checking email. Quit working. Quit being productive. Rest. Stop over and over and over again. Delight. Do fun things, pleasant things, pleasurable things, celebrate life, and then contemplate. Learn to become a reflective person. I commend those things to you, and I challenge you to commit to it. God bless you. Go in peace. Amen.